Hello, and welcome to the Magic for Realists podcast. This is the 46th dose, and it's called, and so on and so forth. My name is Lindsay Celeste, and I'm making this podcast because I want to explore the intersection between our physical experience and our emotional or spiritual well well-being. And I like taking sort of magical or um, maybe woo-woo or kind of out there spiritualish ideas uh, and then grounding them to a really sort of physical, practical experience. And I like sharing about how things in the physical world have really improved my well-being and my life. And sometimes I just like telling stories and I'm doing this particular episode because I want to talk about ancestors and I have two stories to tell or two ancestors to talk about and sometimes I associate ancestors as kind of well an old word in itself and the whole topic for me carries a lot of unknown But recently I've had a few very kind of uh, touchable things related to my ancestors. And so I want to tell you about those in hopes that it will give you something to chew on about the people you come from, how you may or may not be connected to them, and just open up this discussion about how we relate to the people that came before us. This is, I want to say it's like an amateur discussion in that I am not uh, like super experienced in this field other than, you know, being a human and having ancestors that came before me. I don't have like a lot of, it's not like I have like shamanic experience in contacting those realms or uh, I don't even have like a bunch of genealogy research. I'm like just dipping my toes in this whole concept of how I relate to and remember uh, my ancestors. But why not share it at this very kind of just dabbling stage because it often feels like people talk about things when they are like claiming to be really experienced experts. (laughs) And I think that sometimes like gives us the illusion that they they just sort of landed there all of a sudden whatever the topic is like they just landed into knowing a lot or experiencing a lot and I'm interested in very uh sort of like realistic in the sense of like you can relate to it and it seems like nobody's airbrushing the situation that's kind of the vibe I'm going for on this podcast if you have just started listening you'll probably find that out pretty soon And if you've been listening for a while, I'm sure you are here because you like that. So here being the the, uh, strange space of podcast listening land. (laughs) And yeah, and on that note, thanks for listening. I really enjoy knowing that there's people who enjoy listening to what I have to say. Last week I was talking about how important self-expression with my voice has been to my own healing and development. So you listening as part of that and I thank you for it 
And also, today's episode is a little bit special because I'm going to try adding two other sound clips into this episode. I do very low-tech podcast recording, and so this will be, you know, pretty tricky in my... (laughs) or pretty fancy to have a few sound recordings. Yeah. So why might it matter to think about our ancestors? To me, it seems like it helps me have more understanding of some of the influences that are at work in my life, either cultural, maybe genetic, and how they've they've played out for a few generations. And it this this topic opened up for me because when I was speaking with my counselor a few weeks or months ago, I forget, I was feeling quite alone in this certain area that I was exploring. And she said, like, and I said, I felt like I was the first one in my family to be considering these things. And she said, well, you might be the first person that you know of, but like guaranteed somewhere in your lineage, somebody has explored this before. And that was a like comforting feeling to imagine my lineage further back than I know the names of. And I don't know any specifics. I mean, I know the countries I came from in Europe, um, basically on both sides of my family were uh, early settlers in Canada, uh, so like pioneers that came from Europe to Canada and settled on the prairies. It's like the central region in and settled farmlands. Uh, but I, it's just this sort of like, it almost feels like getting a longer route, like it's a little bit more stabilizing just to, just to think about where that, yeah, that there's there's people who came before me. <laughs> like, I didn't just pop out of nowhere. Even though I don't, you know, I don't have memories of before I was born. Some people think they, I think, I think some people do. And I am currently not one of those people. Uh, and I started reading this book called Ancestral Medicine by Daniel Four. His last name, last name is spelled F-O-O-R. And it's interesting because I tried reading the book about five or six years ago and I made it through maybe like the first three chapters and I was like, uh, no, I don't think this is for me. And I picked up the book again recently and I think I made it a little bit further (laughs) and I haven't been reading it lately. So maybe this is going to take me a long time. And I think I'm not making it all the way through the book because it's quite, um, how do I say this? It's like, it's, it's quite a lot. Like, it's quite a lot to think about and consider and maybe shift my beliefs if I'm really going to uh, deeply, like, believe I could and then also connect with my ancestors. I'm, I, it's like I don't entirely have room for that whole concept. But one of the things that he wrote in the book that has stood out to me is saying that having a relationship with our ancestors is a really normal human thing to do and that like in most of history most cultures have had more of a like reverence and some and like ceremony and relationship with their ancestors than we might right now in uh, like 
Western modern society. And though I'm not an anthropologist on the surface, I agree with that. And whether it's, you know, in quotes, true or not, it feels, it feels human to want to connect with the people who've come before us. And I think it can round us out as people to consider our history and our future a little bit more than just our one existence. Another thing that Daniel talks about in Ancestral Medicine book is about kind of assessing and some of this is through like meditation and contemplation stuff and some ritual work uh, assessing which of your lineages so classically there'd be four like your your mother and your father's each of their parents so your immediate four grandparents would be like your four lineage lines and assessing which one of those are the most kind of like healthy and whole and like good news and trying to sort of establish a relationship with that healthy line first uh he makes the point that like just like there's people in our current waking alive life who we want to associate with and don't there's also that in our lineage like there's people that are good news and there's people that are bad news to put it simply and basically to um if you're going to try and have any sort of reverence or relationship pick the people who are good news and so I was thinking about that and I think of my I've known three of my grandparents uh my dad's dad died when I was quite young and the one I knew the best was my mom my dad's mom my paternal grandmother because she lived the longest and so I was the oldest when I knew her and uh Anyways, I'm not going to get into the relative health of all my ancestral lines, but safe to say I feel the, I guess, the most ease in thinking about that grandmother who I knew the most, because it's about two and a half years ago that she died, and I often use her sewing machine. Uh, I learned sewing from both my grandmothers, but more so from her. Her name was Agnes, and though I called her grandma and my grandma taught me how to sew and was very so when she she knew she was dying and she actually chose her death date which is something you can do now in, in BC and so she was very meticulous around uh deciding who was going to get what of her things she's like very organized very pragmatic and uh not like overly emotional a bit sentimental and like it mattered to her where her stuff went but not like I don't think I ever saw her cry and I was like the only one in my family crying around that time oh god it was such an interesting time um I was going through like effectively a divorce and my sister was choosing wedding dresses and my grandma was dying and I was the only one crying anyways uh during that time, I recorded some of my grandmother's voice because I wanted to remember what she sounded like. And also, I, I had this idea that I wanted to establish a like sort of a welcome that if she wanted to contact me from the other side afterwards, she, 
she could that we like had established that sort of like telephone line or something and so I recorded the conversation where we talk about that she didn't know I was recording I wanted to catch her just speaking normally and side note as I understand it if you're trying to get legal uh, per, uh, submittable evidence uh, it's not cool to record something where nobody knows it's being recorded, like implanting a recording device in a room. But if one person of the conversation knows it's being recorded, then it's submittable as evidence. Random thought or random nugget from having a police officer as a father. Only for like he was only a police officer for a while. You're getting random family bits in this. Bear with me. Anyways, I recorded my grandma. She didn't know I was recording, but I did. You'll hear my voice is quite a bit louder than hers, but I hope you can catch what she's saying because I think it's quite darling. And I'm asking her about, you know, if she has any notion of what happens after she dies. Because at this point, she had picked a death date that was probably about two weeks from when we're having this conversation. So here it is. So are you and Gary were talking about it? Yeah, he said, Mom, how can that be awesome? Millions and millions of people. Well, I said, look at the technology and stuff. Uh, how's that all possible? <laughs> now, can uh -huh. give a, you know, how does it all work? Codes and atoms and who knows? I'm not going to worry about it. Take what comes. Yeah. I trust in the Lord. Yeah. Maybe there's nothing. I don't know. But to me, I feel like there's other realms that we can't see. Yeah. And I don't think that uh, whether God created us or uh, there can be a being so marvelous as the human being that would just all of a sudden be nothing. Mm. And for any, you know, to create in the first place and then I don't know if that's thinking in human thoughts again but something's going on down so I, th I guess I feel like you'll you'll cross over to that other realm that we won't see mm. anymore like a door another door opens yeah so if you ever want to tell me something from the other side go for it yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> if you've got advice and watch I don't know if you end up being able to watch what can happen <laughs> then I'm open to your advice wouldn't that be nice <laughs> Isn't that just so cute? <laughs> and I can't say as since then I've felt any really like unusually strong sense of her presence or messages from her. I do feel close to her when I use her sewing machine. And the closest I guess I felt that was sort of some kind of interaction uh, is when a few months ago I was trying to figure out this new stitch on her sewing machine. And she'd given me a little tutorial. It was actually, oh, my heart's a little bit tender. It was the last thing that we did together was her showing me how to use this sewing machine. And she was in like this bright floral bathrobe. <laughs> and her old 94-year-old fingers were showing me the buttons to press. She was still very sharp. And... I'd remembered her earlier saying that she really liked this one special presser foot, like an attachment that goes by the needle, that allowed for quilting in any direction. 
And so recently on a project I was working on, I wanted to use that presser foot, but it's quite fancy and it like plugs in, which is unusual. And it was not working. There's like red lights flashing, things are beeping, it's not going. And I was getting quite frustrated. And I looked at the user manual and I was like, I can't figure out what this is saying. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And I left it for a day. And then the next time I went to it, I said out loud, okay, grandma, like, thank you so much for this machine. I know you really liked this presser foot. I'm trying to figure it out. Could you please help me figure out how to use this presser foot? And then I looked at, that was like the extent of my ceremony. <laughs> like there was no candles and smoke, though not like I'm opposed to candles and smoke. Uh, anyways, then I looked back at the user manual and like read the instructions again and saw this part about a certain other button and thing I had to do first. And then it worked and it worked well. And it made this fantastic kind of like squiggly quilting technique. And, and I said, thanks grandma. And I like continued on my way. And I don't, I don't really trouble myself about, you know, like I got the answer from the user manual. Let's be realistic on that front. But on the magical front, I, in trying to connect with my grandmother is when I found the answer of how to use this machine of hers. And I like that. I like thinking that I'm part of a lineage of sewers that includes her and that I might be able to kind of access that spirit from time to time. And I like that she went into death with, without worrying about it. Yeah. And as I was thinking about my blood relatives, I around that same time I remembered uh, a man named Paul who was I call him like my backdoor grandpa in that like the house I grew up in he was the neighbor like behind our house so different street but backyards touching and I don't think I fully appreciated him at the time in the way that I do now as far as realizing that he was my first introduction to like gardening and plants and eating your own food and because he had made his like one acre parcel of land into this amazing garden he had a greenhouse he grew like tomatoes plums he had like orchard trees mixed in uh raspberries blueberries potatoes he had a peach tree up against the house pears probably zucchini though I didn't care about those uh beans snap peas some strawberries grapes in the greenhouse chickens it was amazing and I think that started you know it's like one of those seeds sort of pun intended that sprouted into some of the things that have become important to me now like being more connected to earth and Paul was also very curious I grew up in a Christian family, but Paul wasn't Christian. He was just sort of like generally exploratory and like watched, you know, this was, I don't think he lived really into much of the internet age, but he watched lots of documentaries, sort of like, like a read National Geographic, like all that kind of stuff. And just very curious about the world. And I don't know entirely 
what his belief sort of constellation was about. But he was curious and seemed pretty comfortable in his own skin. <clears throat> and I, he was probably my first employer in that he would pay my sister and I to pick raspberries for him because he would sell them to a tea house close by. And it was while I was picking raspberries for Paul when I was about maybe 21, I guess, uh, that it was like my, my clearest change of my view of the afterlife. I'd grown up very Christian. And so I had this sort of vague notion that there was like destinies of either heaven or hell that somebody could go to. And that was quite dependent on their specific quote relationship with Jesus. And it's a very troubling notion that I did lots of gymnastics around trying to, I didn't want to actually think about people ever going to hell. Uh, and I didn't know what heaven was like, but it sounded pretty great. And I was pretty sure it was more interesting than just clouds and naked babies playing harps. <laughs> uh, yeah, but then when I was picking, ra- I had been on this journey of like questioning Christianity and moving away from it for a while. But when I was picking raspberries, I thought about how the raspberries hadn't been there a few months ago. The The trees had been and the sunlight that made them and the soil and the water, but the particular like fruiting of the raspberry was new. And that then it would be there for a while and then I would eat it and then it would, quote, disappear. But then on neither end had it, like everything that had made it still existed and everything that it was became something else. And this felt to me like the way my life is, that I don't have awareness of what was before. And I'm in this particular flowering as Lindsay Celeste at the moment. And then I will dissolve and everything that is me will be incorporated into other things. Strangely, stuff that I make, like pottery or quilts or voice recordings can outlast me so in that way some you know the ripples of the effect of my consciousness will keep going and all the particles that are me are already dying and sloughing off when I lose hair and fingernails and skin parts and that will happen more significantly when this body dies so I felt like kind of like a raspberry that's going to get eaten by the world (laughs) And it was this, like, untroubling notion, basically. It was, like, the most neutral, untroubling I had felt about death. I may have a slightly more elaborate view of it now, but the raspberry thing remains as, as sort of a, a way to talk about the mystery on both sides, but yet the continuity of existence, but just this flowering being temporary. And as I was thinking about Paul, I felt like, oh... I'm going to include him in my ancestors in that he is somebody influential in my life who has now died. And I also feel like he died peacefully. I don't think he was troubled when he died. Um, Partly because of how curious he was about everything. I feel like he must have come to his own peace about existence. And also because his wife told the story of how, so he died in his sleep, which is you know, the dream way to go. And she told us the story that the the night before, she saw him going around to each of the trees in his yard. 
They're just kind of like standing by them and almost like just spending a little bit of time with each of them. And she said it seemed like he was saying goodbye. And I never got a chance to ask Paul about his beliefs about life or the afterlife. Uh, But it seems to me like if anybody could have figured out how to either intuit when death was coming or choose when death was coming and not in like a medical sense, like my grandma did, um, I think Paul might have been that person. (laughs) I think that it's completely not out of the question that he uh, kind of knew that he was dying or yeah, or, or like had some volition around his spirit. And so that also, that story somehow to me indicates a, like a peaceful death. So it feels safe to potentially honor and contact, if that's even a thing, um, him. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to find a way to honor him. And I was, as I was thinking about him, shortly after, I, dis- I found an accordion in a thrift store thrift store is like secondhand store and uh for you who don't live in the place where we speak like here and uh Paul that's like the sound of Paul he played an accordion uh, all around his garden he played it like for dances and it's like the sound of summer to me is Paul playing his accordion under the in the shade of like the pear tree or the apple tree and I probably played it like he probably let me try his, but I was really small at the time and accordions are quite large and heavy. So I don't really remember the feeling of trying. So in the thrift store, I put on this accordion and it's like, there's straps involved and started making some sounds. <laughs> Everybody in the thrift store was like, wow, you can play the accordion. <laughs> and accordions are funny because just by pushing a button and then like moving the billows, you can make chords, so it kind of already sounds like you're making something substantial because there's chords sort of built into it. And I don't really know how to play the accordion, but I'm having fun trying to play the accordion and feeling like I'm really honoring Paul's spirit by doing so. So uh, when I told David about this, he was like, oh, this is fantastic. So we bought the accordion and now we've both been trying to play and David is a lot better at playing by ear, like figuring out to play a certain melody than I am. I just make a bunch of sounds that sound okay together. And shortly after I bought the accordion, I was telling my mom and my sister about this because they're the ones I grew up with right behind Paul's house. And it was interesting because my sister and I got reminiscing about some of the details of visits with Paul. And the, some of the snacks he would feed us and she remembered one of them being Mr. Noodles with butter. Mr. Noodles is like sort of like not quite Thai noodles, egg, like egg noodles but all in a package with a little bit of seasoning and he would serve them with butter, extra butter <laughs> and we also both remembered that Paul was the first one to give us like a significant sum of cash like when we were still in high school he gave us each $1,000, like 10 $100 bills. And I had never seen that much cash. I'd never had that much money. And so it was very momentous. And also that with it were these very clear instructions that this money was for us. And we were not to like, give it not to we didn't need to share it with anybody. And specifically, 
we weren't to share it with them like we weren't to like loop it in with a man and I'd never had a boyfriend at the time and I didn't really get why he was making such a big deal of this <coughs> but my sister and I were reflecting on it now as adults and as women navigating relationships and navigating the financial matters of relationships and you know whether and how much to intertwine and then how how to unentwine uh with a partner and we were, we've both remembered Paul's advice and it has shaped how we handle our own finances and uh we were just sort of chuckling about about that and how important it has ended up being um that 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 he gave us that advice to to have our own like financial situation and to not just uh saddle it up to to like a quote husband um yeah and we we thought about how if we're in a a situation where we need like financial where it's some some sort of financial puzzle even like emotionally involved or whatever that we're trying to work out we are like oh we can we can have Mr. Noodles <laughs> like next time we need to write a budget or you know untangle this banking situation uh Mr. Noodles is the meal to have and it was like this very practical way of of both like it was bonding for my sister and I to talk about the money situations we grew up in and the influences around how we think about money and how we handle it now. And even though she and I are in very different situations, we could there was this bond of this advice that Paul had given us and the feeling of receiving our first thousand dollars. And and this idea that we could kind of call upon that spirit uh of like loving, firm advice wisdom uh when we needed it still and that that would probably be accessible or like we could touch on that through Mr. Noodles with Butter as a way of being like hey Paul we remember you yeah and the last thing I want to say about Paul is I think I shared this on Instagram a little while ago this sign I've made that says and so on and so forth which is the title of this episode because it was a phrase that Paul said often and so on and so forth and I love it I love I don't say it like it's not yet in my vocabulary Uh, but I've put it up in my studio because to me it's like this great it leaves like the mystery but also it's sort of like that's the extent of my planning and as far as creativity goes is underneath the sign I have a bunch of pictures of things that I like and I don't know how they all fit together and I don't know what they become but it's my way of saying like yes this and more like and so on and so forth like more of this and that feels kind of similar to me about that that spirit staying on you know that that Paul somehow is in the so forth part like the continuing like the dot 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 you know, like the, we don't exactly know what's going on. He's dead, but somehow his legacy is living on. It's like so on and so forth. It continues. My hand's kind of going around in circles. And that my grandma is in some way still kind of sewing through me, through what she taught me, through giving me the sewing machine, through her inspiration, through the genes in my actual body. Like it just so on and so forth keeps going. And remembering that that I have people that I've come from 
it feels like I'm kind of backed up a little bit more and also makes me consider what my so on and so forth is going to be and that brings some kind of real magic into my life and so I'm going to close out by letting you hear some of my accordion playing (laughs) and thank you for listening Uh, so here's the accordion playing it's just about a minute long and you can hear my amateur sounds here we go Thanks so much for listening, and I love hearing from you. If you're listening and you want to tell me about one of your ancestors or a feeling of connection you have with them, uh, you can reach out on Instagram at Magic for Realists or the website magicforrealists.ca. And the last thing I want to say is uh, just to reiterate that, like, you want to, if you're trying to contact your ancestors in any realistic metaphysical or Mr. Noodles sort of way uh not all the people that we come from are healthy some of them we really never want to ever talk to or be connected to again but there are friendly people that we came from uh whether related or not and so I wanted to tell you the stories of those for me okay I am sending you a little bit of accordion music which you just heard and I hope that you have a wonderful week with a bit of magic in the real world. Also, if there's anybody, maybe in your family, that you think would enjoy listening to this episode, please go ahead and share it. Thanks so much. Bye.